0: Welcome to the H-1B Guy podcast, and thank you for downloading or streaming the H-1B Guy podcast. This is an audio-only version of Equal Access to Green Cards for Legal Employment, (Eagle Act of 2021, otherwise known as H.R. 3648 Breakdown, originally posted on YouTube. The H-1B Guy podcast is proudly sponsored by RecruiterNetworks.com, the smart solution for digital perm ads and local job board postings since 2001, and also by Path to Canada, the ideal Plan B for high-skilled immigrants currently located in the U.S. whose status may be uncertain. The H-1B Guy here, and today I'm going to break down Equal Access for Green Cards for Legal Employment, Eagle Act of 2021, also known as H.R. 3648. But before we get started, I'd like to ask you, if you haven't already, to please subscribe to the H-1B Guy channel here on YouTube and like this video so that I can continue to produce more content like this for you. I also wanted to mention the H-1B Guy offers a variety of consulting services. I help businesses and individuals solve complex work authorization issues in the recruitment process while bringing awareness to employment-based immigration benefits. If I can help you, please reach out. I'd love to hear how. Today's post is brought to you by RecruiterNetworks.com, the smart solution for digital permits and local job board postings since 2001, and also by Path to Canada. Path to Canada provides an ideal Plan B for high-skilled immigrants currently located in the U.S. whose status may be uncertain. If you're facing an H-1B denial or OPT expiration, don't get caught off guard. Make sure you have a Plan B and Path to Canada is your answer. Well, as I covered on the H-1B Guy news for the week ending June 4th, 2021, U.S. Representatives Zoe Lofgren and John Curtis introduced H.R. 3648. Equal Access to Green Cards for Legal Employment Eagle Act of 2021. Included in the press release on Lofgrid.gov was a link to a section by section breakdown titled Equal Access to Green Cards for Legal Employment Eagle Act of 2021, Section by Section. I'm going to use the text from this document and add my thoughts on this proposed legislation. Starting with section two, numerical limitation to any single foreign state eliminates per country limitation on employment based immigrant visas and raises it from 7% to 15% for family based immigrant visas. Provides a 9-year transition period for the elimination of the per-country limit for employment-based 2nd EB-2 Advanced Degree Professionals Exception Ability Aliens and employment-based 3rd EB-3 Professional Skilled Workers Other Worker Preference categories as follows reserve visas for lower admission states, reserve visas for countries other than the two countries with highest demand for such visas, India and China, for nine fiscal years as follows, fiscal year one, 30% of such visas, fiscal year two, 25% of such visas, fiscal year three, 20% of such visas, fiscal year four, 15% of such visas, fiscal years five and six 10 uh, percent of such visas and fiscal year 5 percent of such visas reserve visas for new arrivals for fiscal year 1 through fiscal year nine re- reserves an additional 5.75 percent of such visas for individuals from countries other than India and China reserve visas shortages uh, for reserve visas for shortage occupations. For Fiscal Years 1 through Fiscal Year 7, reserves 4,400 EB-3 visas for individuals who will work in a shortage occupation, nurses, and physical therapists. And then additional parameters for Fiscal Years 1 through Fiscal Year 9, no country may receive more than 25% of reserved visas and no country may receive more than 85% of unreserved visas. This bill also includes a safety provision to prevent visas from going unused during the nine-year period. Well, this language and approach to eliminating the green card backlog uh, that has been caused by the 7% country cap for employment based preferences should look familiar. It is very similar to the language that served as one of the key pillars to the Fairness for High Skilled Immigrants Act, H.R. 1044. The tiered approach of decreasing the rest of the world's allotment over 9 years by 5% increments uh, for the first 6 years, 10%, um, and then 5% for the last 3 was hotly debated in its previous forum, and I expect this will be no different. However, it continues to appear to be the most popular approach to clearing the green card backlog while attempting to minimize the impact as it works through each year. I do really like the proposal of setting aside EB-3 visas for shortage occupations, highlighting both nurses and physical therapists. Both occupations have proved to be critical necessities as the U.S. has battled through the COVID-19 pandemic. The last point for this section is the provision which prevents visas from going unused. Putting an emphasis on maximizing number usage is an extremely important aspect of eliminating the current backlog. Moving on to section 3. Posting available positions through the Department of Labor Requires employers to provide public notice of new H-1B positions on a Department of Labor or DOL searchable website for at least 30 days. Employers are not required to post positions that will be filled by individuals who are currently in H-1B status and have already been counted against the numerical limitations or are authorized to accept new employment upon the filing of an H-1B petition by a prospective employer. Online job postings must include the occupational classification, job title, education and experience requirements, salary or wage range, benefits offered, and location, and the employer's process for applying for a position. You know, I'll say this, the more transparency, the better for new H-1B visas, especially with the new electronic filing process for the H-1B lottery that's been used for fiscal year 2020 and fiscal year 2021. This also helps to bring clarity around the recruitment process of the open position in its entirety. Again, the more awareness, the better. But as a reminder, this only applies to new H 1B visas, not continuing employment. Continuing with Section 4 H 1B employer application requirements. Prevailing wage requires employers to submit to DOL documentation of the methodology used to establish the prevailing wage for a prospective H-1B employee. New labor condition application, LCA, attestations requires H-1B employers to attest that. Advertisements for the position do not state that the position is only open to H-1B workers so that H-1B workers will be given preference. The employer is not primarily recruited H-1B workers. If the employer has 50 or more employees in the United States, not More than 50% of the employer's U.S. workforce consists of H-1B or L-1 non-immigrants. LCA fees requires the DOL to establish an administrative processing fee for LCAs. And then the elimination of B-1 in lieu of H-1 prohibits the Department of State from issuing B-1 visitor visas to individuals seeking to perform H-1 services where the source of remuneration or salary comes from a foreign employer. You know, this section places reform around the H 1B visa in terms of the LCA attestations, and then also gets into specifically limiting the candidate pool to only H 1B visa employees, as well as discussing the 50 50 rule, which I've previously covered. Uh, the 50 50 rule restrictions are put on employers from obtaining new H 1B or L1 visas if their current workforce exceeded. or more H-1B and L-1 visa holders. This language was added to S-386 as part of the unanimous consent negotiations surrounding S-386 back in 2020. Adding an administrative processing fee to LCAs will only increase revenues for the Department of Justice, as employers will continue to have the need to submit LCAs for certification. It's just not going to go anywhere. Lastly, eliminating the B-1 gray area for individuals and employers is another critical step in enforcing these overstays that we've seen historically over the last several years. Uh, Continuing with Section 5, Investigation and Disposition of Complaints Against H-1B Employers Expands Whistleblower Protections to Preclude Employers from Taking, Failing to Take, or Threatening to Take, or Fail to Take a Personal Action Against a Whistleblower so here's another carryover from the amendments that were added to s386 this is what bipartisan reform looks like attempt to fix the green card backlog while also reforming the h-1b visa in this case adding protection to h-1b visa employees moving on to section six labor condition applications public examination of lcas requires DOL to publish list of lcas filed on its website prevailing wage certifications and serves that prevailing wage relates to substantially similar employees with a geographical area and is based on the best available information for the area within normal commuting distance of the place of employment audits allows DOL to survey employers for LCA compliance and conduct compliance audits of any h1b employer requires annual compliance audits of employers with more than 100 full-time employees if more than 15 percent are h1b non-immigrants requires DOL to publish results of required annual compliance audits, Any audited company cannot be re-audited for four years unless there was a willful failure to comply with the program requirements or if there is evidence of misrepresentation or fraud. Investigations eases the process for investigating LCA abuses by allowing investigations to commence based on credible information from an anonymous source and striking a provision that says officers or employees of DOL cannot report LCA violations striking the provision that prohibits investigations unless there's a reasonable cause to believe the employer willfully engaged in LCA abuses or a pattern of violations. You know, performance data on uh, DOL.gov is already happening, but it is reported quarterly and not in real time, uh, meaning that you can access the previous quarter for fiscal year's data. Something tells me that we're going to see amendments or some kind of language added to the prevailing wage determinations. I honestly also believe that we're going to see a significant increase in audits that will begin sometime in fiscal year 2022. This language will give the DOL the authority to do so, including those tips that are received anonymously and then wrapping up with section 7 adjustment of status for employment-based immigrants amends the immigration and nationality act ina by adding a new section 245 in to allow most non-immigrants and their dependents who are the beneficiaries of an employment-based petition that has been approved for two years to file an application uh, for adjustment of status even if the immigrant visa is not immediately available children remain eligible for adjustment of status regardless of their age or if the principal applicant is deceased at the time a visa becomes available. Travel authorization, principal applicants, and dependents are eligible for advanced parole while the application is pending. Employment authorization, principal applicants are eligible for work authorization subject to conditions and special filing procedures described below. Dependents are eligible for work authorization if they were authorized to work or were in a status that allowed them to request such authorization at the time the adjustment application is filed, fees authorizes the Secretary of Homeland Security to collect $2,000 fee in connection with each form I-485 Supplement J filed in, con- in connection with an application for adjustment of status under this section. Effective dates. The ability to file for adjustment of status under the section takes effect one year after the date of the enactment of the act and sunsets on the date that is nine years after the date of the enactment. Applications that are filed prior to the sunset date are grandfathered. So this would just be a huge change really making anyone who has an I-140 that's been approved for 24 months uh, eligible for an employment authorization document EAD with advanced parole AP rights granting protections and granting protections to their dependents. I think the biggest point though is that this is for employment-based preferences. So once individuals have an EAD with AP, they'd be given freedom of travel and employment with a few stipulations on job portability that would be required. However, this would not protect those documented dreamers that are dependents of E2 visas as they do not fall under employment-based sponsorship. H.R. 3648 proposes a fee for I-45J that would come to $2,000 per application if this were to become law because of the increase in filings that they would see. That should definitely help pay for a few more certifying officer salaries to process the available annual visa numbers. Wrapping up, the actual phased approach would actually come to 10 years taking effect one year from the date of the enactment, then working back in 5% increments uh, periodically over the next nine years. All in all, some familiar language and some new text are both proposed in H.R. 3648. As I've said, I honestly believe this piece of legislation, reform, has the best chance um, to reform our immigration laws and see passage in the next 18 months. In the meantime, I'm going to wait patiently to see who's going to be the named sponsor in the Senate and if that will include bipartisan co-sponsorship, just as H.R. 3648 has. For the full post on Equal Access to Green Cards for Legal Employment Eagle Act of 2021, otherwise known as H.R. 3648 Breakdown, please check out theh1bguy.com. And a reminder that today's post was brought to you by RecruiterNetworks.com, the smart solution for digital perm ads since 2001. This national job board network provides recruitment websites in 1,024 major U.S. metro areas. Each local job board is its own portal and is a low-cost resource for immigration recruitment ads for all industries and professions, with a flat price of $225 per ad, regardless of which city you choose. RecruiterNetworks.com has been the number one place for immigration attorneys, immigration ad agencies, and employers to meet the DOL requirements for the digital portion of the PERM advertisement rules. RecruiterNetworks.com, tell them the H-1B guy sent you. This post is also brought to you by Path to Canada. Path to Canada provides an ideal plan B for high schooled immigrants currently located in the U.S. whose status may be uncertain. If you're facing an H-1B denial or OPT expiration, don't get caught off guard. Make sure you have a Plan B and Path to Canada is your answer. They will help you navigate the process. If you're interested in finding out more, please be sure to click the link in the video description below. Just wanted to ask you again to please like this video, subscribe to the H1B Guy channel here on YouTube, and click the bell for notifications so you're notified anytime we post new content here to this channel. If you've made it this far, I just want to say thank you for taking the time to watch my video. I really appreciate your support. The H-1B Guy. Your global source for all things H-1B.